So to start off with tonight, I better get going here because I got a lot of notes. Um, I want to start off tonight just kind of doing a quick recap of what Pastor was talking about last Sunday because what I ha have to talk about tonight is kind of a, uh, well, this would lay a good foundation for it, okay? Just, but we're just going to do a couple minutes here of just what he was referring to last Sunday about hope. You know, our hope is in Christ, and it's not in anything or anyone else. Um, it's not in the economy. It's not in world events. It's not in our portfolios. You know, those are all temporal things. They're earthly things, okay? Um, Hebrews 6.19 tells us that this hope that we have is an anchor for our souls, both sure and steadfast. It's an anchor for our souls. You know, your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. You know, and that seems to be what a lot of people are having problems with right now. You know, it's just because of everything that's going on. But you know, um, I'm a fisherman. I have a boat, and it has an anchor. It has two anchors, actually. You know, and I can be out on a lake, and the wind can be rough. The waves can be tossing. And yeah, it's kind of knocking me around. But when I, not, when I drop them anchors down into the bottom of the lake, it don't matter what the wind's doing, what the waves are doing. I stay put right where I drop those anchors, you know. And I think that's a good analogy of how we need to look at our lives in the time that we're living in. We need to have that anchor to our souls, amen? Um, you know, Pastor quoted this verse last Sunday. I love this verse. It's in Romans 15, 13. He said, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. He didn't just say so you can have a little hope. It says so you can abound in hope, okay? You know, so you could say that hope is the soil in which the seed of faith needs to grow in, okay? You know, hope kind of gets a bad rap, you know, because you know, people say, well, you have that hope, hope so kind of faith. Well, you need hope to have faith. You first have to have hope, and that's the, the, the soil in which faith can grow in, okay? When you mix that with believing, and then you water it with his word, you will get a crop, right? I, I'm, uh, I don't know how many of you are doing any kind of lawn stuff this September, that's when you're supposed to plant grass seed and all that stuff. Anyway, we had some landscaping done, and so I've been working with getting some new seed down, you know, because they stirred everything up, and, you know, so the first thing I have to do is I have to prepare the soil, okay? And, uh, you know, that's been a job. I've been working on that all week, you know, because there's, you know, there's rocks in there. I, I can't believe the stuff I found. I don't know where they got this dirt, but there's been pieces of iron, there's been rocks, there's been glass, there's been dirt clods, and of course a lot of weeds, because it's laid dormant now for a while and all the weeds come up. And before I can plant the grass seed, I have to take care of all that stuff, all right? So I'm preparing the soil for the seed, all right? And that's what hope does. It prepares your heart to receive the seed of faith. And it's important that we, we keep our hope. We don't, you don't want to lose your hope. Because if you lose your hope, your faith has nothing to grow in. Amen? And that's what Pastor was trying to tell us last Sunday. He did a phenomenal job. I'm just rehearsing this, so I, I want to bring it back to your remembrance, okay? Um, 
you know, so anyway, um, you know, this is, this is exactly what the woman with the issue of blood, this is how she received her healing. First, she, she, she was filled with hope because she heard there was a prophet in town, a teacher, and he was going about from town to town, and he was healing all the, of the sick. He was preaching the gospel and healing the sick. Well, then she heard that he was coming to her town. So hope rose up in her heart, right? She, all of a sudden, she'd been with this condition for 12 years. But when she heard that Jesus was coming to her town, hope, hope welled up in her heart. And so she got herself up, she got herself dressed, and she went looking for him. And when she saw him coming, she said, the Bible says she said within herself. When, when you're making a phrase like that, it's not like, a, it's not coming from her head. She said, he said, the Bible says she said it within herself. It was something that come out of her heart. And she said, but if I could just touch the hem of his garden, garment, I could be made whole. Okay, now she's mixing hope with faith, right? She's mixing the two together, and then she put, she put faith to her hope, which is action, and it says she pressed through the crowd until she touched the hem of his garment. Now, for, in order for her to touch the hem of her garment, she had to practically be on her hands and knees, right? She is pushing her way through the crowd, and I can picture this, that she's making a lunge for him, and all she can manage to do is grab the bottom of his garment. But when she did, she received, because she mixed that faith with her hope, and she, her answer came, amen? So, you know, I think that's, uh, you know, that is a very good thing to just grab a hold of and hang on to, that we need hope, and we, because hope is what spurs on our faith, all right? So that was just a little uh, appetizer. Um, tonight's lesson, I want to focus on basically the rest of that verse where, you know, in Romans 15, 13, that talks about the joy and the peace in believing. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. You know, and, uh, you know, as we need hope, we also need to have joy and peace, you know, and um, so, you know, we're going to just kind of pop over on our hoods, grab our dipstick out, and just check our, check our joy and peace levels tonight, all right? See if we're running a court low or something. We don't want to do that. So, you know, as Christians, we ought to be the most happy, the most joyous, the most peace-filled people on earth. As Christians, we ought to be. You know, uh, and why is that? Because our Redeemer lives, right? He's not dead. He lives, and he's coming again, and he's coming soon, all right? He's coming soon. You know, he's given us his Holy Spirit. He's given us his word as a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. You know, he has pardoned us. He's redeemed us. He set us free from the power of sin and death. If we don't have anything to rejoice about and be, and full, be full of joy about, nobody does, right? So he, you know, he has done all these things, you know. You know, and the list goes on and on. We were blind, but now we see. You know, we were lost, but now we're found. And the world does not experience that, but it, us as the church have. And it's a reason to be jo joyful, and it's a reason to be at peace. 
And, and it doesn't really matter what's going on around us. If we take hold of that, you know, um, we can experience that. It doesn't matter what is going on around us. So, you know, it's important that we focus on that. Amen? So, um, you know, I remember when I was a kid, I, I liked this cartoon too, but it was my sister's favorite, and it's that one with Winnie the Pooh. Do you remember Winnie the Pooh, you baby boomers? You know, and um, there was a character on that, on that little cartoon that's called Eeyore. Remember Eeyore? You know, he never had anything good to say. <laughs> he, was, he was in bad shape, man. He's, I think he was a donkey, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. He was always walking around with his chin on the ground and nothing ever good's going to happen to me. And, oh, you know, this don't look right and I don't know about that. I mean, he just never had any joy. Never had any good report, you know. And there's people that go through life like that, unfortunately. And I hope, I hope n none of you have. I'm sure you haven't or you wouldn't be here on Wednesday night. But, you know, there are Christians that have that same attitude. And um, it's just because they, they don't live out what they, what they should know. Amen. You know, and then you had Winnie on there. And he was kind of melancholy. He just kind of took whatever came down the pipe. You know, whatever happened, happened. But... Uh, you know, as long as he didn't get his head stuck in a honey jar, he was pretty good shape, but that often did happen, right? You know, but then there was this other character named Tigger. You remember Tigger? And Tigger, was, he had a whole different attitude about himself. You know, he was just happy. And so happy that he, was, he would knock you off your feet and bounce on you. You know, he, that's just his attitude. You know, he was always full of joy, full of joy and a happy camper. And, you know, I think sometimes we need to ask ourselves, which one am I? Am I Eeyore? Am I Winnie the Pooh that just kind of takes, takes whatever comes? Or am I full of joy like Tigger? You know, so we need to be a Tigger. Um, you know, when it comes to our joy levels in our inward peace, you know, it pretty much comes down to what we focus on, doesn't it? It pretty much comes down to whatever we're focusing on. Are we seeing the glass half full? Or are we seeing it half empty, right? You know, Pastor gave this testimony a while back, and this just blessed my socks off. I don't know if you, most of you probably remember it. His, when he was, it wasn't that long ago, he said he was out praying in his driveway, and he was just seeking the wisdom of God, you know, in the time that we're living in. And I think he was probably praying a lot for us, you know, because he, like I said, he takes his job seriously when he, he's a shepherd of this church. But anyway, he was just praying to the Lord about, you know, the situation that we find ourselves in right now. And the Lord spoke to him saying, if, if you're troubled, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he said, it basically said, if you're troubled or discouraged, then you're looking at the wrong thing. You know, and so many people do that. So many Christians do that. They're looking at the wrong thing. Um, you know, the world's doing that, and it's sinking into a mess, you know, but us as a church, that should not be a part of our life. You know, we have a good report because we know who the King of Kings is. We know that our Redeemer lives. You know, and, and it's not like God didn't prepare us for this time that we live in. Um, you know, he said that in Matthew 21, 25 through 28. You know, he said that there will be signs in the heavens. There will be distress of nations with perplexity, 
What is perplexity? Perplexity is being filled with uncertainty. You know, and that's kind of what, um, you know, if you flip on the news, that's what you see. You see people that are perplexed. They're filled with uncertainty. They don't know what's gonna happen next. But you know, when, you're, when your hope and your joy and your peace only reside within the realm of this, this world, you will be perplexed because they don't look good, you know? It doesn't look good. But that's not where our hope and our, and our peace and our joy reside in. It's not in what, this world. Uh, the Bible says, you know, you're in, you're in this world, but we're not to be part of it, all right? So, you know, they see the seas roaring, men's hearts failing them for the fear and expectation of what's coming on the earth. Um, and lawlessness will abound. You know, those are all the signs that Jesus said will, will proceed his coming. You know, but he told us that when you see these things begin to happen, I kind of like the word begin there, not when they've been going on for a long time. He says, when you see these things begin to happen, he says, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing very near. You know, and that there, there is where our joy and our peace rest, that our redemption is drawing very near. Amen? Um, I don't know about you, that makes me happy. <laughs> that makes me at peace. That makes me full of joy. You know, and when he's telling us to look up, he's not saying go outside with your binoculars and look up in the sky. That's not what he's trying to say there. I'm not saying that's a bad idea. I mean, I, I, I have done that. Um, my youngest son is in the military and he has night vision. He has, and he let me look through it one time at night at the stars. Did you know you're only seeing about maybe a quarter of the stars with your naked eye? When you look through night vision, there is probably five times as many stars up there. It brings them all out. You know, and you can see that you just kind of stand there and all think, God, you are awesome you know, because of his creation. But he's not really telling this, that's not really what he is talking about here. What he's talking about is what we have our eyes on. You know, he says to look up, he says, he's telling us to get our eyes off of the temporal, earthly things and to focus on the heavenly, eternal things. That's what we're to keep our focus on. Not on the kingdom of this world, but the kingdom to come. You know, if we will do that, we will not lose our joy. If we will do that, we will not lose our peace. Amen? Because that's, because his, his kingdom is eternal. This one is temporary, very temporary, and becoming more temporary. So, you know, so it's important that we keep our eyes focused on the right thing. You know, it amazes me how, you know, a little trauma and tribulation can reveal where we truly stand or what our faith and trust really rest in. You know, and, and not only in the world, but even in the church. It's amazing what, you know, what that reveals in, in our lives, okay? Or where our hope lies, all right? Um, Jesus said to his disciples in John 15, 11, he said, these things I have spoken to you, I like this part, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. You know, in order for our joy to be full, we have to have his joy, which we call what? The joy of the Lord. 
Because the joy of the Lord is what? Our strength, amen? It's the joy of the Lord that's our strength. Not, a, not an earthly joy, not a temporary joy, but an eternal joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. All right, so, you know, he, um, he goes on in, in uh, verse nine. He says, as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. So abide in my love. How do we do that? Well, he tells us in verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and I abide in his love. You know, so uh, to abide means to remain stable or fixed or to continue in place or be unmovable. That's what the word abide means here. That we are to be unmovable and stable and fixed in his love. You know, if that's how we, re- that's how we continue to, to abide in his love and to continue to take part in his joy. You know, it's just a picture of a very healthy, loving, devoted relationship is what it is. You know, that's what he's explain, explaining here, just immersing ourselves in his loving presence. Um, Psalm 1611 says, you will show me the path of life and your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Hallelujah. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So, you know, to my, I guess my advice to you, if your joy tank's running a little low, you, we, just need to, we just need to top it off with some of his presence, right? If we get in his presence, like I said before, that is where fullness of joy abounds. And sometimes we just have to take the time to do that, just to immerse ourselves in his presence. You know, it's so good tonight. I was, that's what I was doing. I, I just wanted to keep going because I'm just immersing myself in that presence. But we can do that anytime. anytime. We don't have to wait till we come to church. You can immerse yourself in his presence at any time. He's always there. He is the friend that sticks closer than our brother. He's closer than our very breath. He has put his Holy Spirit within us. He resides within us. And if we immerse ourselves in his presence, then our joy will remain full. Amen? Okay, so we... Uh, we have that. Okay, by being aware of his presence and resting in his presence, being obedient to his word, attentive to his voice, and immersing ourselves in love, and full of faith, trust, and dependence on him, you know, that's the recipe for joy. That is the recipe for joy. Amen. You guys are such good listeners tonight. Nehemiah, just to top this off, Nehemiah 8.10 tells us that we don't have to live in sorrow. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. You know, that's why Tigger had had so much bounce. Full of joy. Amen? Let's talk a little bit about peace. That's the other part of that verse. Joy and peace. Um... Peace is like a byproduct of joy. Or you could say joy gives birth to peace. You know, we don't have, you don't see much peace in the world not right now. The, the world is not at peace. The world is at turmoil. You know, all you gotta do is flip on the news. You know, it's at turmoil. Uh, you know, the, and the Bible talks about that in the last days there will be the stress of nations. It's not just the United States, it's the world. Is it it's, is in stress or it's uh, it has no peace? 
Um, you know, and it's hard, it's hard to be full of joy and not have peace. So, you know, if, if we have our joy tank full, that's gonna bleed over into peace, you know, and, and rest in him. You know, that's why it's so important that we guard our hearts with all diligence, as the Bible says, for out of it flow the issues of life. You know, there's nothing more that our adversary, Satan, would love to do than to get our hearts in turmoil, get our hearts uh, in disarray to where we're not in peace or not experiencing joy. You know, that's, that is his goal, you know. So we have to guard our hearts. And that's why it's so important that we protect what we allow to come into our ears or we, what we allow our eyes to see. Because he's, he is constantly feeding um, the world this turmoil or this anxiety so that he can steal our joy and steal our peace. And you don't want that to happen. You don't have to have, let that happen. You get to choose whom you believe, right? You get to choose. And um, so it's important that we guard our hearts with all diligence. Jesus is speaking again in John 1427 when he says, peace I leave with you. My peace, there's, there's that my again. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. And let not your hearts be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. You know, the world don't have no peace to give, but God does. He says, my peace I give to you. My peace, amen? Jesus says in John 16, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. You know, the world tribulation means to squeeze or to crush or to cause distress. And that's what tribulation is. It squeezes you. It, it compresses you. It, it causes distress. That's, what, you know, that's what's going on in the world right now. It's, it's basically the beginning of tribulation. Um, but you know, that's not for the church. You know, we're, we're to be the light and the salt, as the Bible says, to, to, to uh, reach out to those that are, that are experiencing that. You know, if the church is going, you know, is basically dealing with the same thing in the same way that the world is, how are we to be light? How are we to be salt? You know, they're looking for answers. They're desperately looking for answers. And they're not going to find it in the world because the world don't have anything for them. You know, the world is being shaken. It's being shaken. And there's, there is no peace. There is no joy in that. Um, you know, God's peace it isn't subject to circumstances. It's not subject to circumstances. That's why Jesus could sleep through the storm. His peace wasn't subject to the circumstances. Now, it was for the disciples. They were like freaking out. You know, Jesus, don't you care that we die? You know, and he, he, he arose and he quieted the storm. He said, peace. That's what he said. Peace, be still. And it, and it did. It quieted and then he turned to them and said, how is it you have no faith? You know, we don't want him to turn to us and say, how is it you have no faith? When we're all in an uproar like the world is, we're all in turmoil. 
you know, we want, we want to be able to, to do as he did and quiet the storms in our lives and say, peace, be still. You know, sometimes we need to tell our hearts that. Just peace, be still. Amen? Okay, seven. It's a, I'm actually getting through these notes. I didn't think I would. Um, <clears throat> anyway, Colossians 3.15 tells us to let the peace of God rule in our hearts. You could say rule. I think some version says let it reign in your hearts. You know, something that rules or reigns is in control, right? It's in control of the circumstance. So he tells us to let the peace of God rule and reign in our hearts. Isaiah 26.3 tells us he will keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed, some version says, says steadfast, upon him. If your mind is stayed and steadfast on him, not on circumstances, not on what's going on around you, not what you hear, not what you see, but on him. And why is that? Because if you're doing that, you're trusting in him, right? You're trusting in him. You're not trusting in anything else. You know, one of my favorites verses is in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, and it's because I've lived it. I've lived this passage of scripture where it says, be anxious for nothing but, every, but in everything by prayer and supplication. And I looked up the word supplication there. Supplication means to fully transfer one's burdens into the hands of God. That's what supplication means. So you could read it this way. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and fully transferring one's burdens into the hands of God with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. Okay? Um, and then there's, there's the best part of that passage, which is, is uh, verse seven. This is my favorite part. And the peace of God, which trans, trans, or surpasses, I'm sorry, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. You know, his peace, the peace of God, surpasses all understanding. You know, there, you might have people walk up to you and say, why are you not worked up? And, or they may be trying to vent on you and, and you're not getting worked up. And they may ask you that. Well, that's a prime opportunity to tell them why. It's because the peace of God that surpasses all that you're talking about keeps my heart and keeps my mind. And I can share that with you if you'd like to, if you'd like me to. You know, it's a great opportunity to, you know, shine your light in their life because I guarantee you they'll probably say, yeah, I'd like to hear some of that because I, I, don't, I don't know anybody that's got that, you know. So, you know, to, so that we, uh, we guard our hearts though. We have to guard our heart and our minds through Christ Jesus, all right? You know, there's been times in my life in years past where, lack of a better word, all hell was breaking loose in my life. I don't know, I'm sure some of you have been there too. I mean, it, it didn't look good at all in any, no matter what direction you faced. You know, and I can remember that in those times, if I would just take a step back and focus on him and get myself 
in that secret place of the Most High God that the Bible talks about. That this peace of God that, trans, you know, that surpasses all understanding would just come in like a warm blanket and just surround me. And yet the situation hadn't changed, but all of a sudden I was at peace. I was at peace and turmoil, if that makes any sense to you. And, and that's where we're gonna need to, what we're gonna need to have in the day and the hour that we live in. We have to have peace even though the world is in turmoil because it's gonna continue to be in turmoil. You know, when a woman starts having birth pains, I mean the real ones, not, not the, the hiccups, you know, but the real ones, that doesn't stop until she gives birth, right? All the ladies said, that's right. But anyway, um, and I believe that we're, we're seeing the birth pains of what the Bible refers to as the tribulation. I'm not saying we're in the tribulation, but I'm saying we're seeing the birth pains of it. And I don't believe that that's gonna stop until it gives birth to the rapture of the church. Amen? So instead of trying to figure out how things are gonna get better or whatever, we just need to start putting our trust, our faith, and our joy, and our peace in him. Amen? Amen? Okay. Um, you know, the alternative to that is you can have <laughs> what's been referred to as, you know, an escape mentality. It's like, you know, you're hiding under your bed with your mask on saying, come, Jesus, come, you know, get me out of here. But, you know, that's, uh, I don't think any of you do, but some people are, you know, that's, that's what they're focused on, just get me out of here. You know, but, you know, um, we know that, you know, what, what God is waiting for is the precious fruit of the earth. What he's waiting on is the precious fruit of the earth. He loves mankind, saved and unsaved alike. He loves them. You know, his, his word says that he wishes that none should perish, not even one. You know, so he's waiting for the souls of men is what he's waiting on. You know, so um, he is, you know, the Bible tells us in, in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. All should come to, I mean, I, not all are, but he would wish that they would, all right? that all should come to repentance. Um, you know, and God's mandate for the church has not changed. Not since Mark 16, 15. You know, it's still relevant today as it was when Jesus spoke it to his disciples. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, to every person. That's still what he, he is longing for the church to do today, is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every nation. You know, so, um, you know, so I guess if you're in a hurry for the Lord to come back, we need to get busy, you know, because you know what? He's not coming back until the gospel is preached to all the nations. And, you know, you might think, well, isn't that the job of the missionaries? Well, the thing is, is the missionaries, um, they're not gonna preach to your neighbor. They're not gonna preach to your co-worker they're not they're not they don't have they don't go to your family reunions they're not going to talk to your relatives the only person that is going to do that is you and me 
I'm talking to myself here too. I'm not just talking to you. I don't want you to think that. I'm talking to myself. You know, that yeah, they're reaching the nations, but what about this nation? God's not done with America. God's not done with America. In fact, I believe we're gonna see a revival like we've never seen before in the coming years. I really do. Or I should say coming months. I don't know if it'll be years, months, or what, but whatever. I think we're gonna see a revival that's gonna sweep this nation like we have never seen before. But, you know, we need to be ready for that. We need to be a part of that because you know where that starts? It starts with us. It starts with us. It starts with us speaking to our neighbor, to our coworker, to our relative, and spreading the gospel in the part of the world that we live in. That's, that's where it starts. And if each one would just reach one, you know, then that one would reach another, that this revival would get going. Amen? Okay. And he goes on to say, that, and he basically makes this statement in Matthew 24, 14. He says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. You know, people are always looking at all the signs, you know, the signs in the heavens and this and that. Well, we read some of those earlier. And yes, those all precede his coming, but the only thing that can hasten his coming is the preaching of the gospel. You know, because he is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. That's what he's waiting on. Everything else that we see going on, we could probably trace back and it has happened to some extent at some other time. You know, you think about back in, during World War II when Hitler was overtaking Europe. I'm sure everybody thought, oh, this is it. You know, but, but what had not been done yet is Israel had not been a made a nation and the gospel had not been preached to every nation. And that's what, that's what our Heavenly Father is focused on. He's focused on the gospel being preached to all mankind, everybody having an opportunity to surrender their heart and their life to him. Amen? So, so anyway. Um, you know, the Bible tells us that he is coming back for a glorious church. He's not coming back for a weak, emaciated church or one that's just hanging on to the end of the rope, you know, trying, trying to survive. That's not... That's not the description that the Bible gives of what the church of, of God is gonna be like when he comes back. He says he's coming back for a glorious church. You know, and uh, I do believe in these last days that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And I say that, I say, I say it as everything. You know, and I, when I say everything, I mean everything not just the things of the world, but even the church itself. You know, the shaking you're seeing going on is making people look deep within themselves and, and say, what do I really believe? Who do I really trust? You know, what am I really devoted to? You know, and so the Bible says everything that can be shaken will be shaken because he wants us to, um, to prepare our hearts pastor's been talking about that so much in the last several weeks, you know, that he's trying to prepare us for the coming of the Son of Man, you know, for the Lamb of God, because he knows it's soon. And, and if, you, if we know that in our own hearts, we'll be busy about the Father's business, okay? Um, 
Hebrews 12, 27 talks about removing what can be shaken, that is, created things or earthly things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain, which is God and his kingdom, okay, and those who belong to it. So, you know, the, you know it's, I'm going to repeat that. Hebrews 12, 27 talks about removing what can be shaken, which is the created things or the earthly things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain, which is God's kingdom and those who belong to it. So, you know, there's, there's work, you know, that maybe we need to look in our hearts in order for our peace and our joy to flourish and there's things that we probably should look in our hearts that, that would God would have us to do while we are waiting. Amen. The Bible gives an example of, you know, the church as, a, as the bride of Christ and Jesus as the bridegroom. You know, and <laughs> whenever, I, whenever I think of this, I know you've all probably been to a wedding or many weddings, but I've asked myself, you know, if we're the bride and he's the bridegroom, and there's going to be a wedding, and there's going to be a wedding feast. But what would you think if you're sitting here like tonight, but instead of listening to me, it's a wedding. And, you know, the, the song begins to play, and the doors open for the bride to come marching down the aisle to, to the bridegroom, because he's already up here where I am, all the wedding parties up here, and they open the door for her to come in, and she's not there. You know, it's just her dad standing there looking like, I don't know where she is, but she's not there. And finally she stumbles up there, but she's, she's not clothed her wedding gown. She's not got her jewelry on, her makeup on, her hair done. She's in her pajamas, you know, and her, and her slippers. And her hair's all over her head, and, and you know, she, she looks like she just crawled out of bed. And she takes her dad's arm and she starts marching down the aisle that way. You know, there'd be a gasp come up from the crowd thinking, how could she forget her wedding day? You know, it's her wedding day. How could she forget? How could she not prepare herself? You know, and I think about that, and I think, you know, the Bible calls us the bride of Christ. Are we preparing ourselves? Are we still in our pajamas, you know, in our slippers? Are we readying ourselves for his coming? Are we busy about his business, taking care of what he asked us to take care of, witnessing to our neighbors and our friends and our relatives, sharing the gospel with those that don't know? You know, that's the preparation that he, that he is looking for. He says that his bride will have adorned herself in righteousness. That's, that's just living right. That's doing right. That's living according to the world and not being, or according to the word and not being stained by the world. Amen? So, you know, I guess that's a picture um, that I think of when I think of the church. And, you know, I believe that we're coming into an era where the chaff is being blown away and the true believers are going to take their place in, in his kingdom. And we are going to adorn ourselves in righteousness. We are going to prepare ourselves for his coming. And I hope that's your heart tonight. I hope that's your your ambition tonight is to do that and to prepare our hearts and, our, and ourselves for him. Amen? Okay. Um, 
I guess I don't really have too much else. Um, I want to thank you guys for coming tonight. It's almost, I can't believe it's 8 o'clock already. 7.59, I made it a minute before. But um, go in peace. Go in joy. You have so much to be joyful for. You have so much to live in peace for because our Redeemer does live. He does reign. He has, he has work for us to do. He has work for you to do. He has work for me to do. And as we continue to do that and continue to be faithful to his calling on our lives, we will rest in joy. We will rest in peace. And uh, we will not be dismayed or discouraged. We'll be Tiggers, not yours. Amen? Okay, well, why don't you all stand with me? We're going to pray. And then I'm going to let, well, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to take up an offering. Okay? Gail would probably be waving me down if I forgot that. All right. Heavenly Father, we do come again with, to you tonight, Father. We are just so grateful, Father God, for your word that is the light unto our path, Father. It is a lamp unto our feet. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that your word is truth. Father, we can, we can rest in knowing, Father God, that we are children of the Most High God. And that, Father you, have, Father, you have great things in store for us. You have great plans for us, Father God. Plans here, Father, for us to finish. Plans in the new kingdom, Father God, that, are, that is everlasting. And we can rejoice in knowing that, Father God. And we thank you for your goodness and your mercy towards us. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you, Father God, that you are a God that is more than enough. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. We give you praise and honor tonight, Lord. We just, get, we, just, we just admonish, Father, one another to live out, Father God, the plan and purpose that you have for us tonight, Father. I pray for each and every person here, Father God, that you will touch their lives, that you will guide them, direct them. Father, that their hearts will be full of joy, full of peace, full of contentment, Father. And most of all, full of a will and a purpose to accomplish whatever it is you set before them to do. And we give you all praise, all honor, all glory. And we thank you in Jesus' name. In his precious name, we thank you. Amen.